Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Steve Taylor. I am the host and creator of MSP Webinars. Welcome to another installment. Uh, for those of you that have been here before, hopefully you know the drill. For those of you that maybe this is your first time being on one of the webinars, I just want to go through uh, some quick things for you. Um, first, we have a chat feature where you can chat with anyone that's in attendance or even the panelists, so feel free to use that. If you have questions, if you could please use the Q&A section. Uh, for those of you that are attendees, if you hover over the video, it should be somewhere along the top where it says ask a question or Q&A. Um, that is where we'll keep an eye on the questions. You can also vote on other people's questions and add comments to questions. So that way I know, uh, you know what questions you guys want asked first or, or soonest, right? Um, upcoming webinars, we have on Thursday, Envarosoft is going to give us an update on their end user app that makes it really easy for end users to work with tickets, open up applications, get push notifications from you, the MSP, about important things, whether it's, um, you know, news about spyware, uh, ransomware, that type of stuff, or just new features or, or anything in between, right? Uh, next week on Thursday, we have SolarWinds MSP coming back on. They're going to teach us about SolarWinds backup, which... Um, you know, I think we can all agree is is one of the most well-known backup solutions for managed service providers today. So today, though, today I'm really excited. We have Vadim from Nerdio, and he's going to educate us about Nerdio for Azure. And I, I think he'll disagree. I, I think of Nerdio for Azure as like Azure for dummies. Um, and, and here's why I say that, because my understanding is Nerdio is going to automate, you know, if you say I want to create a new user, it's going to automate, you know, everything that comes with it, the Azure Active Directory, building out the virtual desktop, setting, you know, policies and that type of stuff in place, you know, it's going to take care of everything for you. So, you know, in, in one corner, it could be Azure for dummies for guys that are maybe a little intimidating, uh, intimidated of using Azure or, or cloud-based RDS, virtual desktop type stuff. Or two, uh, it's, it's just a really fantastic way for you to automate using Azure today. So whichever way you want to look at it, um, I, I, think, I think both of them are in, in some case true. Now, uh, Vadim, I did put out a poll. If, if you guys are here, I would love if you guys could answer the poll. Um, I didn't even put my nerdy Star Wars or Star Trek question because um, I think it's safe to say we all know that the winner is always Star Wars. Every single time, Star Wars wins. Um, so I, I just don't bother anymore. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see what everybody's answered, Vadim, and I, I can't wait to show you these poll results here shortly while you're doing your presentation. V Vadim, um, thank you for being here. It's great to be here, Steve. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to learn about Nerdy for Azure. So, so tell me, um, how, how accurate was I 
in, in my representation? Uh, I mean, I, I think it summarizes our value proposition uh, pretty well. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a bit more to it, obviously, which is why sure. we have some time set aside to go through the specifics. But uh, that, that was pretty good, Steve. Thanks. Well, good. Well, since, since there's more to it, um, please, why don't, why don't you just kind of dive in and, and take us through it? I know you've got some slides. Everyone loves slides, right? Oh, yes, and then, I'm sure. And then we do have a demonstration as well. So for those of you that don't like slides, don't worry. You're, you're actually going to see this thing work too. Excellent. Well, let me, uh, let me share my screen real quick. And again, I appreciate the introduction. Um, I know you guys probably don't like slides very much. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll like our slides, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. I'm going to go through this quickly. I just want to make sure that everyone is kind of clear on where Nerdio fits in into the IT stack, kind of what, what it's for. Uh, and then the bulk of the time, I obviously want to spend showing you the product, uh, going through some specific sort of customer scenarios and use cases, and then take all the time we need to answer your specific questions. So as uh, Steve said, I'm Vadim. I'm the founder and CEO of Nerdio. Um, the product we'll be talking about is Nerdio for Azure, which is an automation platform that's created for MSPs to build and grow their IT practice in Azure. Uh, a little bit of a background on us as a company. We started out about 13 years ago as an MSP uh, out of, in, of Chicago. Uh, let me minimize this thing real quick. Out of the way. All right, sorry about that. So we started out as an MSP uh, in Chicago. We've created a, a fairly unique practice back then. We were 100% cloud-based IT uh, back in 2005, 2006, built out our own data center, uh, have onboarded you know, hundreds of customers all, all throughout the world into you know, terminal services, RDS, VDI environments. Uh, we're an early SPLA partner of Microsoft. Um, over the years, being an MSP, we've created a lot of technology to make ourselves more uh, efficient as a service provider. So a few years ago, we decided, hey, why don't we put all this technology together, make it a platform and make it available to other MSPs to kind of do the same thing and build a similar practice of, of IT in the cloud. So we launched Nerdio in 2016. Uh, we launched it on top of our private cloud deployment, which is a VMware stack of products using Horizon uh, VDI uh, for the presentation layer and started talking to lots and lots of MSPs. We have many of them using the, the private cloud product, but the feedback we kept getting was, hey, I don't want to put my customers in your data center. Uh, I, I want them to be in a public cloud. I want them to be in Azure specifically. So that was sort of the impetus for us to create a version of our product specifically designed for Microsoft Azure. People always ask, do we have an AWS version? We do not. We do not have a Google version. Doesn't mean that that's not something we'll have in the future, but right now we are you know, solely focused on the Microsoft Cloud. So we launched our Nerdio for Azure product. Uh, just a little bit of, of background on us as a Microsoft partner. As you can see, we're a gold uh, Microsoft partner. We have competencies in the cloud platform, obviously, uh, small and mid-market cloud solutions and ISV, cloud productivity. Uh, we're also a co-sell ready product, which means that Microsoft sellers actually get credit for their quota for uh, bringing us into opportunities, which, which is really helpful to, uh, to kind of be exposed internally in the Microsoft ecosystem. Uh, we are part of Azure Advisors, which is a group that's, uh, you know, kind of under NDA and knows all of the upcoming features even before they hit private beta. So we know all the things that are coming down the pipeline in terms of Azure capabilities. We're in the Azure Marketplace and App Source, et cetera. So that's a quick background on the company. 
Now, you know, what is the problem that Nerdio is out there to solve? Um, so if, if you, you know, if you talk to most MSPs or most MSPs we've spoken to, you know, tell us that they want to do Azure, but they can't for one of the following, you know, kind of three main categories of reasons. Number one, people say, hey, it's, it's just too expensive. If I compare running an IT environment in Azure versus running it either on-prem or running it in a, in a colo or private cloud scenario, it's just more expensive to do that. Uh, you also need fairly expensive engineering expertise to onboard and manage customers in Azure. So there's that labor cost component. The second, uh, second you know, uh, challenge is, is the complexity, right? And th this is a couple of different dimensions. It's technically complex. Azure is ever evolving and, and just has you know, a ton of different components and products and licensing schemes and things like that. So it's complex technically. It's also really designed initially for DevOps rather than IT administration. If you, if you think back to the previous version of Azure that they call Azure Classic as opposed to the ARM, you know, it, it didn't even have IaaS components uh, as part of the offering uh, for you know, when it initially launched. And then the other piece that's really complex is the fact that pricing uh, is difficult given to the fact that it's a usage-based or consumption-based uh, cloud offering as opposed to something that, you know, we're all more used to, which is more fixed price. And then the third component is, is the risk aspect, right? A lot, of, a lot of MSPs told us that they perceive Azure to be risky in the sense that their customers expect fixed pricing and they expect the MSP being the expert to take on that pricing risk. And if you take Azure and you bundle it into your solution and offer it at a fixed price, you really don't have the control over how much bandwidth the customer will consume, how much storage they'll consume, things that they can really run up the bill for the MSP, making you know, them upside down in terms of their margin and you know, causing them to lose money potentially on, on the deal. And, and also the fact that you really need to rely on, on fairly highly skilled Azure experts that in today's IT market are, are pretty difficult to uh, attract and retain. So that's where Nerdio for Azure comes in, you know, and our mission is to simplify and accelerate the transition and management of customers IT into Azure. And we do it in sort of these three main ways. Number one is we have both technology and playbooks to help our partners package and price a complete IT solution based on Azure. So we have a tool we call the, the total uh, the NFA cost estimator, which lets you answer some high level business questions. And I'll show all of that to you in just, in just a bit and converts the pricing, basically designs an architecture for you and, and distills it down to a per user per month price or cost, I should say, to you, the service provider uh, that you can then take, add on your margin onto it and be able to sell to a customer at a fixed cost. And it's, it's really very accurate, you know, plus or minus 10%, you know, based on region and, and uh, you know, pricing changes and th things like that. The second component that's really important is this automated provisioning, okay? What do I mean by provisioning? And I'll show this very specifically of what it provisions. But, you know, if, if you think about standing up an IT environment in the Microsoft Cloud, right? So standing up, uh, an Active Directory deployment, Azure AD, Office 365, RDS, VDI, putting it all together, tying, you know, integrate, integrating things. It would take an experienced engineer, you know, that, that has done dozens of these, usually two to three work, two to three weeks of full-time work to actually do this, this work and put it all together. What we've been able to do through standardization and, and templates is be able to reduce the time required to provision a complete IT environment 
to down to two hours of elapsed time, no engineering involvement, and making it very, very easy. And, and again, you'll see that in a few minutes. Then we um, have a management portal that's sort of your single pane of glass across all IT components, across all of your customers. So it's a multi-tenant management portal that you'll see again in a minute that lets you manage all aspects of IT, not just desktops, not just servers, but things like networking and firewalls and VMs and Office 365 licensing and, and many other things that, that we'll be looking at later today. And then finally, to address the challenge of it being too expensive, which, which is again, really valid, um, we've created optimization technology within our product that is very robust and can optimize the environment from a cost perspective to make it cost effective for, for the end customers. And, and it does it both in terms of, you know, kind of scheduled on and off uh, type of actions, which are pretty rudimentary, but it's also able to do scale in and scale out based on expected user demand. It's able to resize VMs so that on the weekend, a particular VM could have fewer cores than during the weekday. So the users don't lose access to that VM and, and fully automates that process. So, um, you know, makes, makes the environment cost effective for the end customer and leaves a significant amount of margin for the service provider. So those are kind of the four things, you know, I mentioned package and price, automated provisioning, management and optimization. Okay, so then the next obvious question is, okay, well, when do I use this or how can this be used? And much like Azure, you know, which is, it's, it's a Swiss army knife of tools, it's important to talk about what are the use cases. So we, we see these four use cases be probably the most common ones. Um, and I'll, I'll just talk through them. And then, you know, as we get into Q&A, you can ask me more about them. But, you know, the first one is sort of our, our traditional, what we call IT as a service. Uh, it's typically used by smaller organizations that want to do a complete migration of their IT from on-prem into Azure, right? Eliminate the need for any local infrastructure, eliminate the need for servers, desktops, you know, software, everything goes into the cloud. It's typically a lift and shift type of a migration approach. In the enterprise world, um, where we work with really large organizations, it's typically an RDS deployment, where if, let's say they have an RDS deployment for the remote users in a corporate data center. They wanna be able to extend that into Azure to put those deployments and those workloads closer to where the users are, if they happen to be you know, on other continents or even across the US. Uh, it's more of a phase-in approach that allows them to extend an existing uh, on-prem environment into Azure using Nerdio and then migrate users uh, from one RDS farm into another. Desktop as a service is sort of a more limited use case for, for someone who just wants to deploy desktops and connect those back to a corporate data center or another deployment in another cloud. So imagine you have a call center or you have a remote office that, that's being opened up. You don't want to buy equipment. You don't want to buy desktops and manage those locally because you don't have hands remotely there. So you just deploy this as a virtual office, put virtual desktops for those users, give them thin clients, and, and off they go. Typically, again, an extension of the existing IT environment. And then the fourth use case, we call it line of business servers. This one doesn't have any desktops in the mix. This is where someone would come in and extend their environment into Azure. And when I talk about their environment, I mean their directory, you know, Active Directory, Azure AD, networking, et cetera. 
and then be able to migrate individual servers, database servers and application servers while keeping the desktop workloads uh, either local or you know, virtualized elsewhere. So those are the four most common use cases we see. So talking about a little bit more specifically, you know, what does this IT as a service use case look like? I like to talk about it because it's the most comprehensive one, uh, but you, know, you can envision the other three as sort of subsets of this. So if you think about any SMB type of uh, IT environment or you know, any good one, it should have at least these five fundamental components. You got your desktops in the middle, right? That's where the end user interacts with the system. It's the, uh, you know, the environment where they launch applications, access data, et cetera. You have your servers. So you have your applications, databases, Active Directory, print servers, et cetera. You have your messaging and collaboration suite, which in our world is Office 365. Uh, you have security components. So you know, your antivirus and, and you know, patching and updates uh, and encryption and content filtering, things like that. And then finally, you got to have good backup and DR capabilities. And then, as we all know, MSPs go in and they layer in their um, services on top of that technology that's generally off the shelf. Microsoft provided a set of tools. Obviously, other vendors come into play here as well. But, you know, we all layer in things like support services and monitoring, line of business application development and support, migration, virtual CIO. You know, everyone has their unique set of services. Where Nerdio fits in is this layer that sits in between the technology and the managed services that are offered on top of that technology. And it's the software management layer that bundles everything together, integrates it all, provisions it automatically, provides a single uh, management, uh, uh, a single pane of glass management portal, and then optimizes the environment to make it cost effective. Right? So that's kind of where we fit in in the stack. Um, you can delegate control down to your end customers. We fully support doing that but you don't have to, right? It's primarily built as a tool for MSPs to enable their use of Azure for their customers' IT environments. You know, I mentioned we do automated provisioning, so I'm gonna flash this up on the screen. We can dig into this a little bit deeper um, a, a bit later uh, during the demo, but you know, this is sort of a, a typical environment that gets provisioned out of the box. So you can see this is fairly complete. It starts out with, you know, the networking, the LAN and the DMZ with the necessary firewall rules or, or network security groups as Azure calls them. Uh, you have your domain controller and file server with all the, the best practice GPOs and DNS and DHCP and, and uh, you know, sort of empty file shares with an with a NTFS security structure and then share structure set up. You have an RDS deployment that supports uh, GPU workloads, supports HTML access, all, all the things you would expect from a modern deployment. And you also have a VDI deployment based on the golden image setup where you, know, you can have a single golden image that, that becomes the foundation for every VDI user's desktop. Um, and sort of the distinction between RDS and VDI is where with RDS, you have multiple users sharing a session host or a collection of session hosts versus in the VDI use case, every user gets their own dedicated VM um, and those can be sized and configured any way that, that the customer sees fit. Uh, it's also fully integrated with Office 365 and Azure AD. There's uh, Active Directory Federation services that's enabled uh, by default and can be used. And we also leverage Azure recovery services for things like backup and, and DR and replication. So this entire thing, again, end-to-end -end gets built within typically two hours. You know, Azure varies sometimes depending on 
uh, how new the subscription is and how busy the particular region is, but generally about two hours to stand up this whole thing. Okay, now why do MSPs use Nerdia for Azure? Uh, you know, it, it enables a very natural and robust use case for Azure, right? Azure is the Swiss army knife of tools. You can do lots of things, but if you use it the way you... Sorry? Yeah, what about that? Okay, I'll keep going. Somebody maybe has their microphone unmuted. Everyone can still hear me okay? That's that's Tony or someone pretending to be Tony. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. I'll keep going. Tony, mute your microphone, please. Um, so the reason MSPs use Nerdia for Azure is because it enables a natural and robust use case for Azure using and doing the same types of services that most MSPs already offer their customers, except running those services in Azure and Office 365. It expands the, the contribution margin opportunity from just selling an Office 365 license, maybe with, you know, with some management on top of it. So sometimes it could be like a 5 to 10x increase in the amount of, of per user revenue you can capture. Uh, we generally see MSPs uh, be able to get 40 to 60% gross margin on their NFA-based services. And it just it makes it an affordable platform through all the optimizations that we'll be looking at in a minute. So that's on the economic side of, of things. Um, it also helps operationally within the typical MSP um, uh, environment, right? It lowers the cost of service delivery through automation. It eliminates a lot of the mistakes that can be made when you go through, you know, really long checklists of onboarding, offboarding users and reassigning data and deploying desktops and things like that. So it eliminates all of that and saves time. And it lets you leverage tier one and tier two kind of help desk resources to manage pretty much the entire IT stack without needing to involve an Azure engineer that's uh, familiar with the intricacies of, of the underlying platform necessarily. And then finally, it really helps drive customer success. It creates a very sticky service that results in long-lasting customer relationship because now you become the single source provider, not just of the you know, last mile managed services, but also the hosting environment, the messaging environment, the desktop environment, and everything that ties those together. Uh, there is generally a better user experience because there are fewer break-fix issues that are, uh, you know, more standardized environment uh, leads to, and then also gives your users anywhere access and, and a very consistent experience um, that we all understand with virtual desktops. All right. I Hopefully this wasn't too long, but now it's time to see what it all looks like. So I'm going to flip over to the demo. And let me make sure my session didn't time out and we're good. Okay, so what you're looking at right now is what we call the Nerdio Admin Portal or the NAP for short, because it does all the work for you where you can literally take a nap. Um, and what you see here is what a reseller or an MSP partner would see when they log in. They would see a list of their uh, customers and then they can see sort of high level information about their customers, things like, you know, what region they're provisioned into, whether they're using Azure hybrid usage, whether backup is on, names of the tenants, name of the subscription, et cetera. They can also make sure it automatically checks the health of all the connections, make sure that it can still connect to Azure and the tokens are alive and, and well and things like that. Uh, and then you can dig in and manage the entire environment in, in great amount of detail, which we will do in just a few minutes. But for now, what I want to show you is what it looks like to provision a new account. So I'm going to click on 
add NFA account. And there are three things that we got to do. Step number one is we have to connect to an existing Azure subscription. To be clear, we do not resell Azure. We do not resell Office 365 and we do not resell RDS. It is not included. In Microsoft's terminology, we are an unbundled uh, ISV solution. So because we go to market through other partners who are typically, you know, either direct or indirect CSP resellers, they would sell the Azure subscription and they would sell the Office 365 subscription to their customer. They would come in here, click connect, type in the credentials for that subscription, allow the app to gain connectivity into the, into the subscription, and then be able to have uh, NFA turn the dials inside of that subscription. So once you connect it to Azure, you select your region. It supports any of the global regions Microsoft has. You can give it an optional resource group name. Uh, there's something called Azure Hybrid Usage. We won't get into it now, but you can enable that if you want, if the customer already has Windows licensing, et cetera. Then the second step is connecting to an Office 365 account. Again, same, same idea. It could be the same account as Azure, or it could be completely independent. What we're seeing is most customers already have Office 365 deployment. So this will seamlessly plug into those. And then the third step, give a company, give this deployment a name so you can identify them in the list and select a plan. We have two types of products. One is called enterprise, one is called professional. Professional is designed for smaller organizations, usually under 25 users, and it comes kind of prepackaged so you don't have to tweak pretty much anything. Um, I'm going to flash these up on the screen. This is on our website, so you can go in and look at it. You know, these are the two plans that we have. We have professional for smaller environments and enterprise for, you know, obviously up to thousands of users um, that uh, there's some functionality that, that smaller organizations don't necessarily need to leverage. Once you do that and you click save, this job gets submitted and then it goes up on the screen and provisioning status. And then two hours later, the environment is up and running uh, and you can literally log in, add users, install applications, and you are good to go. You can start using that environment. Obviously, there's typically an onboarding process that needs to happen, but generally there's a pilot first where you want to get your customer comfortable with performance and make sure that you know, they know exactly what's happening and how it's going to look. So that's the next thing we're going to look at. I'm going to click on login next to this previously provision account, uh, 5009 More Heart Inc. And I'm going to take a drink, so my apologies. And let me also check the time, see how we're doing on time. Okay, very good. And for those of you that are, are joining late, I'm joined by Vadim from Nerdio, and he's teaching us about Nerdio for Azure, an automation platform. Thanks. Thanks for that, Steve. All right. So what we're looking at now is a particular customer's environment. You can see the context has changed. It now says More Heart Inc. at the top. You can see up here the customer ID. And you can see that the, the, the menus on the left have changed. They've changed from it being the MSP partner or the reseller menu to the IT administrator type menu. And you know, there's a ton of functionality here. I'll go through a bit of it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to show you a few kind of highlights. And then maybe, uh, maybe we'll open up uh, to Q&A to see if there are any other areas of the system you want me to dig into in more detail. But, but let me start with a few, um, a few key ones. So 
If we click on users, what you'll see is what you would expect, a user list. Now, this may look like a regular user list at the glance, but what you'll notice is that this list actually brings in information from multiple systems into one consolidated view. So for instance, you'll notice that we can see the user's Office 365 license that's assigned. We can see the Exchange Online email address. We can see the Active Directory username and group membership right here. We can see the user's desktop assignment, the last time they logged in, and we can you know, quickly disable them just with a single click right here. We can say disable, click confirm, and it will disable that account. And then there is a tremendous amount of functionality that IT administrators typically do in any IT environment, but especially one that has virtual desktops associated with it. So we'll go through some of these options uh, in just a little bit. So, so let's say we have this user called Andy IT Admin, uh, and this user is currently an RDS user. And you can see that this RDS user is assigned to this collection called RDS Collection A. This collection consists of B2S instances, which are two core, four gigs of RAM each, right? So, and, and we can, we'll, we'll see later how configured that and uh, you know, where, where you can see more information about this. But let's say this user for the next week is going to be doing something really big, maybe graphically intensive, maybe CPU intensive, and you want to give them more horsepower. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to click on the user. We're going to go down in the user desktop section right here. And we're going to switch the user from being an RDS user to being a VDI user. And what you can see here is the entire list of this out of the way here. The entire list of the instances that could be used as desktops are available here. So there are some common ones that are listed at the top. So for instance, if he's going to be doing lots of Excel work, maybe we give him a four core, 16 gig of RAM VM with an SSD drive. So we can select that. Or we can select a GPU enabled instance, quite pricey, but you know, if it's something that's you know, time bound, maybe it's worthwhile for this user for this amount of time. And then you get to select uh, which kind of disk to assign to that VM. You can either give them an SSD or a, spin, a spinning disk. There's obviously price difference and the performance difference associated with the selection. And then you can always change it. So if you give the user an SSD today and then he no longer needs the performance, you can go in and switch him to, uh, to a hard disk later. Um, one thing to point out is, I don't know if you can see this on the screen, but some of these are grayed out. And if I mouse over them, you'll see I can't select them. But when I mouse over, it will give me a message that says, hey, this VM is a 32 core VM. You need 32 cores, but you only have 22 available in your subscription. Microsoft imposes core quotas on subscriptions. And if you need to go above those, you need to submit a ticket uh, for them to increase it. So throughout the product, you'll see lots of what we call guardrails that protect uh, you as the administrator or the user if you want to delegate access to them. Uh, from you know making mistakes or doing something that Azure is going to balk at and, and error out on. So you can see that this is this is grayed out. I can't select this one because it requires 24 and I only have 22, etc. So all I have to do is make these selections, click save, and a few minutes later, a new dedicated VDI desktop will be built for this user and the IT admin. Now let's let's look at what what it looks like to add a new employee. Imagine you have an employee starting with a company. You come down here into the users module, you click add user. The screen will look familiar. Let's say we're gonna be adding John Smith. We can type in the primary email address and then add an alias right from here. Um, 
you know, obviously the custom domain based on your customer's account pulled in from Office 365 would be here if this was a production account. To enable two-factor authentication for the desktop login, all you need to do is specify a mobile number in this, in this field and it will automatically turn it on. That's the default functionality. You can override it if you wanted to, but that's what is by, by default. This section will list what Office 365 licenses are available in the account. So right now this account has E3 available. If we mouse over, it will even tell you how many are purchased and how many are assigned. So it looks like we have two available, so we can assign that to the user. Then there is the desktop section. This user may or may not need a desktop in the cloud. They may just be working locally or they may be just an email only user or they could be a full-fledged um, desktop user. So let's say this one is going to be a, a light desktop user. So we'll assign them to an RDS, either a collection or an individual session host. So let's go with a session host. Then here you get to select what type of access this user should have into this Nerdio admin portal. So if you wanted to delegate some of this administration down to an IT team member of your customer, you just check this box and there are two levels. One is called account IT admin that would basically see everything you're seeing here. So all of these menus and all of these actions will be available to them. Or there's what's called an account tier one support that would be able to manage users, groups, and shared mailboxes, but nothing below that. No servers, no networks, no backup in DR. So maybe somebody who's resetting users' passwords, but shouldn't be messing with, uh, you know, with servers and networking. And then if you really, really want to, you can make this user domain admin, obviously highly not recommended, but uh, sometimes you do need domain admin rights uh, to give a particular user those rights. All you do is come in, check this box, and, and it takes it takes care of that for you. So that takes care of office and desktop and delegated administration. The next thing is, you know, customizing that user. Let's say John is going to be joining the accounting department. If you already have an accounting template or an accounting user, we happen to have Angie accounting. So we're going to start typing Angie. It will match it to that. Click on it. It will pre-populate all the security groups that Angie is a member of. You can click here and add additional ones. Let's see. We're going to add this person to the accounting department, take them out of sales. There is a set of extended attributes, you know, things like logon scripts, X500 address, display name, any additional sort of contact information if you have a signature genera generation tool that relies on it, and, and a few other validations. You can hide the user from the global address list really easily with just a checkbox. And then the final thing you got to do, or optionally, is send a welcome email. And this welcome email would be sent to the user's personal email address, obviously, because they don't yet have a corporate account. And the way it will look is something like this. Now, you'll see a lot of Nerdio branding and, and terminology here. This is actually fully white label capable, so you can replace all the Nerdio references to your own company as easily as everything else you've just seen me show you. But the user will get an email that will have their desktop and username and password information and some instructions on what to do next, how to change their password, how to set their printer, things like that. And they will have an attached RDP file that will be SSL signed. So when they click on it, it's not going to uh, prompt them for any unknown publisher error messages or anything like that. So they'll get this email with the password and an RDP file. They double click an RDP file, type in the password, and they're in their desktop within a couple of minutes of me clicking the save button on the screen. And, and what's happening on the back end, they're getting set up in AD, they're getting set up in Azure AD, they're getting assigned to Office 365 license, they're getting all their email aliases configured, 
Uh, they're getting an RDS session or VDI desktop built. They're getting Office activated. They're getting backup enabled. All of that happens completely uh, behind the scenes automatically. So lots of things going on um, and, and it all happens for you. Let me show you what the end user experience uh, would look like. So let's take you know, Angie Accounting. Angie Accounting is an RDS user assigned to this particular session host. Right, let's take Sally because she has an Office um, E3 license. So if you click on Generate RDP File, it gives you the option to build an SSL signed RDP file for the user with certain options. Like you may want to or not want to give them printers. You may want to or not want to give them access to local drives. Then you get a choice of publishing the entire desktop or publishing a select application. If you click on, on, on select a remote app, it will enumerate all the applications installed on that session host and give you the option to select one. And then it will just launch that as a remote app as opposed to a full desktop. And then you get to either download the file or you can email it to the user directly or to yourself to then share it with the user. So I'm gonna download it right now. Click confirm. You can see a little file came down here in the download section. I'm gonna click on it. Shouldn't get any SSL warnings. There we go. You can see everything is pre-configured. It knows my account ID. It knows which desktop I belong to right here. It knows my username. All I have to do is type in the password. Hopefully I remember it. And um, we should be in the desktop pretty quickly. There we are in the desktop. And you can see, obviously, this is your you know, traditional you know, Windows 10 experience desktop. If you open up Office, uh, we should notice it automatically sign in. I don't know if you saw that, but because of the single sign on, everything is signed in. Office is activated. I click accept and start using, and that's it. You know, my, my Excel is active. My Outlook is active. My uh, Skype for Business is pre-configured. My OneDrive is logged in. My SharePoint team sites is logged in. Like I haven't done any of this prior to the call. This all happened as we opened up Excel right now. So obviously very powerful from streamlining the operation. Okay, let's log off. All right, what else can you do here? So let me give you another scenario. Imagine you have Sally, whom we just logged in as, that's leaving the company. And uh, we need to figure out who's going to take over her role, who's gonna take over the data. So normally, I'm sure all of you have these checklists about you know, asking the, the, the user who's going to be the manager, who's going to get the old email, who's going to get the new email, who's going to get the desktop contents, what's going to happen with, with the desktop, what's going to happen with my documents, etc. Here's what it looks like in Nerdio. You come in here, you go into the Actions menu, and you select Archive User. You go in and you type in the name of the new owner. So let's say Andy is going to be the new owner of Sally's data. So we select Andy, we check the box and click confirm. This is going to go through that entire process. It's going to disable Sally's account, shut down her desktop. It will reassign, it will convert Sally's mailbox to shared mailbox to free uh, the office license and assign it to Andy. So it will pop up in his Outlook automatically. It will take the desktop and my documents contents and place it in a share in the file server called disabled users and drop a shortcut onto Andy's desktop that that's happened. We'll take the OneDrive data and give uh, ownership to Andy. And finally, we'll send an email to the manager telling them, hey, you've just been assigned the data from Sally, and here's how you get to all of it. So all of that within a couple of minutes and just a single click here uh, is pretty powerful in, in my experience. 
There's lots of other things you can do. You can reset the password, obviously. You can reset the RDS session. So you don't have to log into your RDS server if somebody's desktop session hung up. You can just come in here, you know, say reset, confirm. It will go through, find the server that's hosting that session this moment, terminate it, and the user can log back in. Uh, if your user's um, Windows profile gets corrupted, right? Something that, that we often, uh, you know, see happening in the Windows environment. So usually you blow that profile away or, um, or you try to repair things. What we've done is we created this revert profile functionality that will go through and enumerate all of the shadow copy snapshots on the desktop that's hosting the profile or the server that's hosting the profile and give it to you as a drop-down selection where you can select the previous version. It will then take that version, back up the current one, replace it with this one, reboot the machine if necessary, and then the user can log in and have a copy of their profile from a known working version as opposed to having to deal with all of that manually. Um, this usually takes you know, a minute or so for it to enumerate all the shadow copies. So I'm, I'm going to let it complete just so you can see um, uh, just so you can see what that looks like. Vadim, I, I gotta say, man, I'm really impressed. Like you, you've taken all of the guesswork out of things and you've made it so that way everything just kind of happens. It's, it's all standardized. Um, you know, there's, there's no, oh, I, I forgot to change, you know, I, I forgot to get rid of, uh, Sally or what was it? Sally sales. I forgot to move her, her OneDrive stuff over to Andy it admin, you know, so it just, it just does it. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the goal, right? The goal is to standardize things, automate them, free up the time of, of people to do, to do more, you know, value added things rather than, you know, dealing with the plumbing on a day-to-day basis. So, so Nerdio is doing more than just RDS because it's, it's able to do the Azure AD for maybe people that want to work with local desktops or Office 365, but they don't need the remote desktop space. Absolutely. I mean, RDS is a component of Nerdio, and it's a commonly deployed feature, right? So, you know, Nerdio is, is really about allowing our partners to build a service offering on top of Azure, and that service offering may include desktops. And there's a tremendous you know, demand for, you know, workspaces in the cloud, desktops in the cloud and, and various services associated with it. But, but that's just one of the components. And, you know, I've been focusing on users and maybe the next thing I'll do is I'll, I'll move on to some of the other components that, um, you know, that talk about more server management and networking and backup and DR and onboarding and things like that. So I, I have a ton of questions for you. Okay. Um, Brian, Brian asked uh, MFA options. When you set up a new user, all you have to do is punch in their their cell phone number, and it automatically enables two factor authentication. Is that what I recall correctly? One hundred percent right. Can Can you show us that new user screen again, real quick? Sure. So obviously, we can change this functionality, but. In my opinion, it's important for us to have 2FA enabled for our, for our end users. Yeah, and, ju- and just to be clear, you know, which 2FA we're talking about, th- this is on top of any MFA that you may be doing with Office 365 and Azure AD for the Microsoft sort of cloud properties. 
this is specifically for the desktop login. So if I were to add a user with a phone number, then what would happen is when I pull up that user's RDS session, and many of you are probably familiar with Duo and, and use that. So when you log in, you get sort of the second prompt and it, and it either asks you to authenticate with an app on your phone or sends a text message or calls or whatever, you know, whatever functionality you want. So, so that's kind of what this is about. And that's built in and that license is included uh, with, with the Nerdio product. So you, you don't need to use Duo, for example, uh, if, if you are deploying virtual desktops using Nerdio for Azure. Okay. And um, I see somebody asked if you have an NFR IUR program. I want to, before you answer that, I do want to say, for those of you that want to know how to get 10 free licenses of Nerdio for desktop for life, stick around to the end and we'll talk about that for a minute. Uh, now, do you have an NFR program or an IUR, like an internal use rights program? We do. I mean, we can uh, we can work with you on a, on a case by case basis, depending on you know what functionality you want to test. But certainly, everyone in this webinar uh, should should be able to get uh, you know either internal or even for resale licenses. You know, up to ten licenses for life that that you can use for either yourself or or for your customers. Perfect. Um, all right, so let's talk about branding because I noticed, um, let me, let me see if I can find the little thing here. I noticed, right. Oh, it went away. Um, I noticed there was a thing that, that I can give the end user access to the Nerdio admin portal. Correct. So I don't want them to know I'm using Nerdio. I want them to think I'm big time and I made this myself because, you know, as IT guys, We've we've built everything we use from the ground up, right? <laughs> Always do. <laughs> so, um, all right, good. I see we can change the logo, the fave icon. We can change the name. Um, so I got excited when I saw URL here because I was thinking, oh, cool, we can change the URL that people go to. But they're you still going to end up going to Nerdio, aren't they? Nope, nope, no. This is this is that. So you'll be actually going to, you know, in this case, one app dot pro, and one app is your custom ID here. So it's you, at least it's it's at least white labeled to the point where they're not, unless they're smart enough to go through and do like you know reverse engineering and domain lookups and all that stuff. They're really not going to know who owns adminportal.pro. Correct. Yeah, so it's it's we, more. We won't be able to do. We won't be able to do admin dot my domain tailoritgroup.com. You will not. Okay. That that requires you know wildcard SSL certs and us having to update the app to include your SSL certs and all that kind of stuff uh, that's not automated. And we're all about automation, as you can see. We give you control to to, to make these changes yourself, so you don't have to get us involved. So Zach, I know that one of your things is uh, URL brand. Whoops, uh, URL branding. I would say at the very least you can do a three hundred one redirect. Don't do it with masking, but do a three hundred one redirect where it just forwards uh, admin dot. I can't think of your company name dot com to the uh, one app dot admin portal dot pro. At the very least, you're giving them something that they can maybe remember a little easier. But um, 
at, at least it's it's you know admin pro it's it's white labeled it's generic it's you know i think yeah. i think that's good and then lo logos contact information you know you'll see the little help icon up here in different in different sections that's you know that could be pointed at your own help center uh the email is signed by you know, your phone number and your contact email address, where it comes from, for all of those kinds of things that I, that I showed you in that email, like here, Perfect. for example, like this is replaceable, this is replaceable, you know, all of this stuff is replaceable. So that's, that's kind of the goal of the white labeling functionality. That's, that's awesome, man. Now is Nerdio channel only or could uh, XYZ company down the road sign up and, and use Nerdio? Nerdio for Azure is channel only. We do not sell this directly. Um, and as I mentioned, we do not sell the Azure and Office 365 and RDS licensing, which are sort of necessary components of building this, right? The recipe is, you know, you take Nerdio, you throw Azure, Office 365 and RDS licensing into it, and it builds you this IT environment. Um, we only provide the, the, the thing that builds it but you got to provide the subscriptions. So we do not sell Nerdio for Azure directly. It's channel only product. Okay. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had Cloud Jumper on here and they have a really neat product too. And, and there's, I mean, there's might be Azure based. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure theirs is, is all like internal. So you're paying a fixed price per user and you get something similar similar to this where you know it's it's building the domain it's building the server the rds environment uh the the shared folders the groups and permissions and all that but it's all contained within their infrastructure so you're paying a flat rate per user and now you know these are my fixed costs for me to be able to offer um uh, an RDS environment to my customers. This seems a little more difficult to do with, with what you're offering because, you know, I see you've got your, your per user stuff. Oh, good. You're, you're answering my question. Awesome. I know where you're going. I've, I've been asked that a couple of times before. So, <laughs> okay. I know where you're going. So, uh, so, so, so let, go ahead. So, so Phil, let's talk about, I'm going to say, probably a more typical client for many of the people here um, with MSP webinars. Let's talk about like a 15 user environment. Let's do it. So let me just first of all tell you what it is you're looking at. So this is a, a really important component of our partners go to market strategy. This is what really gives them that per user per month cost so they can decide how to price things for their customer. Okay. So there are five components to it, and we'll go through it with 15 users, as you said. So we're going to type in 15. Um, and sometimes it can't always pull the Azure API pricing. So this will be maybe from yesterday, which is just fine. Doesn't change that often. Okay. So there's 15. Okay. Then the next question it asks you, how many of those will be dedicated VDI? Let's say none of them will be. How many of them will be using GPU intensive workloads? Let's say none of them. Then we get to select the version of the... NFA product because it's 15 and it gives you tooltips over here. Um, so if you do 15, I think the professional version is probably the one that's correct. So we're going to use the 15 plan. Okay. And then we are going to 
have a lot of these options locked out because that's already pre-configured as part of this P15 template. So you can see this will have a one terabyte of shared file space. It will have, uh, you know, the, uh, the backup enabled, et cetera. Again, the specifics of what's in it is, is right here on this page on our website. This is our pricing page. And then there is this package templates link. If you click on it, what you'll see are the templates and P15 is this one. So it has this kind of domain controller, this kind of file server, this kind of gateway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see the specifics of that deployment That's really cool. right there. But it's all packaged out of the box. You don't have to mess with it if you don't want to, but you could customize if you wanted to. Obviously, your pricing will change if you start. Enter Enterprise is fully customizable then, right? Fully customizable, yeah. I mean... Professional is also customizable. It just enterprise comes really small out of the box and it's intended to be customized. Whereas professional comes pre-built out of the box for a certain number of users. Which is probably why you're able to do that one for a little bit better of a price because one, you're not including as many features. It doesn't look like it's missing too many things, but it is missing like the ADFS um, yeah, for a 15-user company, that should be a non-issue, right? I think that all right, the things right. that's missing would push somebody into kind of the enterprise category if they need to do hybrid Active Directory, if they need to do ADFS, if they need to do really fancy things, then, then they're more likely to, to find the enterprise product a better fit. So, so let's keep going down through this. So we have, uh, we have the third section is the Office 365 and RDS. And the goal of this tool is to give you the complete picture, not just what is Azure going to cost me, although that's part of it, but what is the entire environment going to be? So in this case, it says, hey, will you be selling Office 365 E3 to the customer as part of this plan? Let's say yes. Let's say we're going to sell them 15 licenses. Mm -hmm. is annoying up there. Then the next question is, will you purchase RDS for your customer under an existing SPLA agreement? Um, if you have one, you can do it that way. Or if no, then the customer is just responsible for licensing RDS and needs to have active software assurance for it to be valid. And there are little tooltips throughout. So you can kind of click here and see exactly what, what this means. So I'm, I'm skipping. Gotcha. The next thing is Azure hybrid usage. This is more kind of tweaking parameters. So Azure hybrid usage typically doesn't apply to 15 user organizations. So we're going to- what, what is Azure hybrid usage? Well, Azure you know, hybrid usage is, uh, is a licensing program in Azure. So when you rent a VM from Azure, you're paying for two things if you rent a Windows VM. You're paying for the, what they call the base compute and you're paying mm -hmm. for the rental of the OS. Okay. The bigger the VM in terms of cores, the more you're paying for the OS, which kind of makes sense, but you're paying a lot more than if you owned the OS with software assurance. So at, at about four cores it makes sense to actually buy the OS and maintain software assurance rather than rent it through the Azure standard, you know, kind of rental rates. Got so it. If, if you have it set to yes, what it's going to do is going to compute only the base compute rate of Azure VMs and not take the um, uh, Windows Server license into account. So basically, an Azure hybrid usage is we're bringing our own licensing for the, for the OS. For the OS, exactly. Okay. Okay. Then, you know, in-region backup is included with P15, so that's already set to yes. Desktop autoscale is grayed out. Why is it grayed out? The reason it's grayed out is because we have these three options here. Microsoft has something called reserved instances, which lets you kind of prepay 
for either one year or three year or no, or do a on-demand pricing. And they give you a tremendous discount for doing that. And then later, if you change your mind, you can either return this reservation for a small fee or you can trade it in for another reservation. So if you were to do three year, your Azure compute costs so far would be 192, which is kind of negligible in the scheme of things for 15 users. Sure. You did one year, okay, let's see, it would be, how much would it be now? For one year, still 192. And if you did now, uh, you know what, I think, I think it's struggling because it's not able to pull some pricing from the Azure API. Oh. So that's, that's, that's why these things keep nagging me. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to rely on the fact that it, it will adjust that price um, once it's able to pull that information from, uh, from the Azure API, and this will adjust. So this will be significantly higher if you go to um, the non-reserved instance situation. Okay. Okay. And then and what, what exactly is the auto-scaling going to do Assuming that it's not grayed out, like what exactly is that doing for us? So if auto scaling is not grayed out, what it's doing is it's adjusting the desktop compute to match the user's work patterns. So if you know, for instance, if let's say you have a RDS session host that's supporting 15 users and you need, let's say, four cores to run all your applications in production, right, during business hours. So what that means is if you only have you know, four users that are expected to work after hours or on the weekend, then if you have, you know, four cores in production, you should, you should be good enough with one core after business hours, right? So Got the it. system will intelligently resize the desktop compute environment from down from four, I'm sorry, from four down to one so that you're not paying for four when you're not expecting that many users to use it. So, Somebody asked, with scaling, can the environment fully shut down over the weekend, but wake up if a user needs to connect? Uh, yes. Well, it, it, it can, but it's not, it's not done unnecessarily user login, uh, user login request. So okay. one of the things users can do is log into this portal, and if they are not an administrator, they will get a very scaled down version of this. They obviously won't have any of these menus, but it will, what it will have is a button that lets them power on their desktop. So a user could go into either app.nerdio.net or you know, msp.adminportal.pro, type in their credentials, and then log and, and then power on their VM. Now, it depends on how you're pricing it to them. The, the reason we give you the MSP, the control of whether or not you give the customer this capability is if you're giving them a fixed price solution and you're estimating it based on certain work hours with desktop auto scaling, the last thing you want is some user that comes in on Friday at 6.01, powers on their desktop, and now you have you know two days or two and a half days of consumption that you didn't budget for. Good luck trying to get them to pay for it. So the only reason you would want to do that, give your customers this capability, is if they are responsible for the Azure consumption. If you're providing it to them at a fixed price, you may not want to give them the, the ability to power things on and off at, at will. Very cool. And, and, so and that, that seems helpful, though, because I could hypothetically turn that off say, this is what I expect it to cost me. 
because I've got scaling off and have that be my, my cost, so to speak, that I punch in when I'm, when I'm quoting this out to my customer, mm-hmm. but then turn it on for when I'm actually deploying it. So that way I can potentially have some, some cost savings. Am I, am I understanding this correctly? That's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's really a question of, do you want your margin to be guaranteed or are you willing to tolerate some variability on the margin? If you want margin to be guaranteed, then you may not want to give your customer the ability to size their environment to the way they want it to be sized. And you kind of control that because there's cost implications. Or if you say, look, you know, it, as long as I'm not losing money, I'm okay giving them the control. And sometimes I'll make more and other months I'll make less depending on what they do. Then you're right. You just basically set the price at the point where everything is on all the time. And then you enable auto scaling. And then it's just sort of every, everything when it's shut down, it's savings that goes into your pocket as the MSP. Okay. So you'll notice that I just shared the poll results from the poll that I started before the webinar even went live. Um, I, I asked the first question, do you use Azure today? And half of the people here said they're using Azure for virtual machines. Uh, but there were some, some people here that said, um, I don't use Azure today. I'm, I'm intimidated by the cloud. Or maybe I'm not using it because I use a different cloud-hosted service. Or they're just not using it for some other reason. So I found that interesting, uh, the, the three different answers that we got there. Um, many people here, half of the people here have never heard of Nerdio today that, that answered this. So hopefully you've uh, inspired them to take a closer look at your product. And then finally, um, a quarter of the people that answered are doing everything on-prem. Nobody is doing everything virtual uh one person is is between 75 and 99 percent but nobody has a hundred percent uh purely virtual you know rds the whole nine so i thought you might find find those numbers interesting vadim what uh do, do you have any comments or responses to any of this stuff that you see in there um, you know, I would say this is in line with, with what we've seen. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's good that half of you who didn't know about us now do. So, so that's great. As far as Azure adoption, I, I would say this is in line with what, uh, with what we see out there in the market and what we would have expected. Yeah. Uh, so there are people that have um, limitations on how long they can be here. Carl said he wants to understand how he can get uh, 10 licenses before he goes. W- would you like to do the honors or shall I? Um, I, I mean, there, there, there is a link, right, that I've, um, you know, that, that we're, you're going to share with your members? It is. So for those of you that are members of MSP webinars, um, and you can, do, you can, you know, learn more about MSP webinars by going to the URL that I've popped into the chat. Um, members get 10 free desktop licenses. And which are these the professional or the enterprise? These would be the enterprise. So I these mean, are be either one, but it's, it's, it's 10 of either version, but it could be enterprise. That's, that's great. So you get 10 licenses, which could be worth $120 a month. Becoming a member is $35 a month or less if you do the annual membership option. 
Um, for those of you that are interested in doing a trial or getting some NFR, I'm sure if you go to getnerdio.com, um, Vadim or someone on his team will be able to help you get uh, something to test out internally for yourself. But members will get 10 licenses for life, um, which I, I can't thank you enough, Vadim. That is, that is phenomenal. That, that no, really we're amazing. convinced once you guys start using this that uh, you'll you'll definitely see the value and and hopefully it will help you service your customers better. So that's well, I, I do have I do have a, a ton more questions. Hopefully yep. you have time. Oh yes. Um, so and I, I'm I'm going out of order and in fact I'm asking some for myself because it's my show and I can do what I want. <laughs> um, Good to be in that position, huh? Right. So. Uh, I've already got some people on Office 365, right? Yep. Um, they're just Office 365. There's no Azure AD. There's no RDS. There's, you know, it's just Office 365. Does it make sense for me to, like, somehow, in a, first of all, can I just add Nerdio to something that's already in place? Yes, you can. And okay. that's typically how it's done. Most customers out there already have Office 365. So in a typical deployment, you will be plugging into an existing existing environment. Does it make sense for me to add Nerdio to somebody that's just Office 365? If, if they are just Office 365 and they have no plans of having any sort of, uh, of VMs or Azure files, um, or, you know, backup kind of stuff going on, um, then you could. There's no cost for that, right? Remember, we only charge per desktop. So your okay. deployment would be actually, um, you know, free from Nerdio perspective. It would plug into your Office 365 existing environment, and you can then easily, so I'm going to show you what that looks like. If we go under users, um, and, and you mentioned you have Office 365, but you don't have uh, Azure AD. So actually every Office 365 or every Microsoft service sits on top of Azure AD. So there is so Azure AD. So we do, we just don't know. There. Exactly. So okay. this section down here, I, I don't have anyone in this particular tenant, but this section down here will show you all of your existing users in Office 365. You can either manage them basically here, you know, do password resets, license assignment, things like that. Or you could import them, which would take them from this section into this section and make them what Microsoft calls kinds of the first class citizen, where they become a fully managed user, where you can assign a desktop to them. You can use the archiving feature. You can do all of this other stuff that we didn't even look at uh, that's available sure. in user management. So if you have Office 365 only, um, then managing the users from here may be an option. It's a no cost option but there probably isn't a tremendous amount of value in doing that. But it is kind of neat. So, so me looking at how can I get everything into that single pane of glass, so to speak, you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating if I wanted to uh, log in and make a change for one end user at client a, and then maybe, you know, a few hours later have to do the same thing for client B. So if I could do everything from this admin portal, um, that would be neat. So, yeah. I, and, and on the flip side, I'm sure this isn't going to help me do everything. So for a lot of the things that I can do in the office 365 portal, like set passwords to never expire or, 
enable or disable 2FA using Office 365, it doesn't seem like this is, is going to manage all of that. Correct. I mean, you know, we, okay. we kind of have what we call this three-click philosophy. And what we want to mm -hmm. do is cover maybe 90, 85 to 90 percent of the use cases. And then they're always going to be unique, advanced, custom scenarios. But the nice thing is this is a sort of a virtualization layer that sits on top of all of the other management portals. You can still go into Office 365 and do all of that. And, and Nerdio will automatically pick up those changes when you log into it. So um, you won't break anything by making those changes in Office 365. Perfect. All right. Um, we talked about the resource scaling. So I well, think we, we talked about it at the high level. If there is a question about it, I mean, it's, it's very cool. I mean, if anyone's interested in seeing how that works, I think that's probably the one thing that would be worthwhile spending a few minutes on. So far, the question was, if an environment is scheduled to be off, can a user log in and wake it up? Is there something else you, you think we should take a look at with regard to res uh, resource you know, scaling? I, I think so. Let, let me show a couple of things. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the attendees can decide if they want to see more. But, you know, so we have, we have three things around this optimization uh, value proposition that I talked about. One is called server auto scale. So let's use it as an example. So I'm looking at the server screen. First of all, you can see I can manage every aspect of my server, just single click from the screen. But let's say I have this domain controller and I want this domain controller to either be shut down or be resized, or I wanna do something with it from an auto scaling perspective. What I can do is go here, go to auto scale. What this will let me do is define what we call work days and work hours. So let's say Monday through Friday, eight through six and you can set whatever time zone that, that happens to be relevant to. Uh, you then select what happens to the server outside of those hours. So you can have it shut down. That's kind of the simplest thing to do. But in reality, you know, what if somebody needs to log in? You have to wake up the entire environment. It takes a while. Um, you know, usually you want to downsize that environment. So you, can, you have some options of what happens outside of work hours. So again, power off is an option. No change is an option. Or I can say, look, currently it's a two-core VM. I want it to be a one-core VM. Or it's usually an eight-core VM. I want it to be a four-core VM. So this is something that's administrator-driven. And it will do this action right before 8 a.m. It will size it back, back up. And right after 6 p.m., it will size it back down. Okay, so That's really cool. And, and can you, um, so I see with the D-series, it's also really nice that, you say, hey, this is kind of what it does. So like if you were to click on the G series, ah. uh, large databases, large scale enterprise. So, I mean, like you've, you've really simplified this for us to figure out, okay, what should I actually try and, and auto scale this down to? Um, or, you know, when you're building out the server to begin with, which one should I pick? Because there's so many, you know, they got all these different series and, for, for someone that's intimidated by Azure, when you go to that pick your server screen and, you know, there's so many that as you scroll down to the bottom, then it loads more. <laughs> right. Oh, there's time. But, but there's like no explanation. It's like, you know, they'll have like a, a, a B2S next to a, an N1 next, you know, like it's just insane. There's, there's like no order. There's no rhyme or reason for somebody that has no clue what they're doing. Um, 
and it gets really overwhelming really quickly. So this is what I mean by Nerdio makes Azure for dummies. For somebody that is really intimidated, you have, have really helped take this and simplify and, and just make it more easily consumable for, for us, especially in, in such the you know, fast-paced environments that we are used to. Precisely. So that's one component of auto scaling. That's, that's what we call scale up and down, right? So your server has a baseline size and then you can scale it down after hours and scale it back up during business hours. Make sense? Now, now could I also make a second scale that says, you know, I know from uh, three o'clock to six o'clock, they always run these reports and it always slows everything down. So can I scale that server up for those few hours? No, not with server okay. autoscale, but with something else. I'll show you, show you something else in just a second. So server yeah. autoscale, very you know, straightforward business hours, outside of business hours, what happens during business hours, what happens outside of business hours. Really easy to conceptualize. Um, the next thing is what's called scale in and out using a technology from Azure called Azure Scale Sets. So what we've created is, is, is you know, fairly unique uh, in that we take RDS collections and we integrate them with Azure scale sets. And the concept behind Azure scale sets is very simple. Uh, and that is when, you're, when you have a set of VMs that are exceeding certain utilization thresholds, you want to build new ones, right? So you have a scale set of two and you exceed some threshold, you want to add a new one. And then if it still exceeds, you want to add a new one, et cetera. And then when utilization drops, you want to automatically remove them or shut them down, right? Shutting them down, you're still incurring some storage costs, but you want to remove them from that set and stop paying from them. It's kind of the thing that the cloud is meant for, if you think about it, right? RDS knows nothing about scale sets. RDS collections are these static things that you create and pre-configure and you set up VMs and you configure them and you put them in the collection and then your connection broker spreads your users across them. Well, we've changed that. So if you go in, you can add a collection, simply click add collection, select an RDS session host as a template to start from. And what that does is it creates a collection with its auto scale logic, right? And there are three settings to this. There's boundaries, right? How many hosts do I always want to have at a minimum? How many hosts do I want to have at a maximum, right? You don't want some runaway process to run up your bill where you, you, know, you have a million sure. servers running. So you set some, some parameters. Then you have scaling logic. For example, if the average CPU across all of the hosts is 70% for more than 10 minutes, then add a new one. Remove a host if the CPU drops across all hosts below 40% for 20 minutes, but do that only after business hours, which is 6 p.m. Or you can say do it at any time, your choice. Okay, so, so I, and then I, I skipped ahead and you talked about mess, the message here. It says you can log out and then log in right away. Correct. So how does that work? So think about it this way. Um, a collection is a collection. There, there are multiple hosts inside of a collection typically. And mm -hmm. if I have a, my parameters between one and three, then sometimes I'll be at one, sometimes I'll be at two, sometimes I'll be at three. So let's say I'm at three and I'm scaling in to two, right? So I'm removing the third host. So the user right. on the third host is going to get a message saying, hey, we're going to do something now, log off. And if you don't, it's going to force you to. 
you log off and you log back in. But now, even if the host number three is still in the picture, we automatically set it to what's called drain mode, where it cannot accept any new connections. Okay, now cool. the user is going to reconnect to host one or host two. Perfect. Now, okay, so let's say, um, you know, we're, we're back to our 15 user that we were talking about earlier, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say nobody called off. Everybody's at work. All 15 people are on. The, the server hits uh, 80% for 10 minutes because, like I said, they run these reports between 3 and 6, right? Yep. So, it's, so it scales out. Are people automatically moving from one to the other? They're not, but we currently have a, 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 something that's in QA right now, but we have a feature that will notify a cleverly selected random percentage of the users telling them, hey, if your performance is slow because you are on a host that's overutilized by your, you know, your, your neighbors here, if you log off and log back on, it will get better. That's sexy. So, so no, you can't move them. I mean, session hosts just oh, sessions, RDS sessions can't be you know V motioned or live motioned, whatever you know you call that technology. But uh, we we do tell users, and you can pre-configure what percentage of them get that message, and you can randomize it so you're not always hitting the same users to log off and back on. But when they log off, they free up capacity for the ones that stay, and then when they log in, they're placed on a new host, which has a lot enough capacity for them to keep working. That is so awesome. So, so you've just made, here, here's what you've done. By, by setting up these RDS collections, and I, I know you said that's right now it's in QA, so that's not live, it sounds like. It's just that notification feature that you asked about. Right, right. But so, so the notification's in QA. So the notification that, hey, if your system's running a little slow, log out and back in and we're going to magically make it faster for you that right there you're going to cut down the number of phone calls we're getting yes it was that that makes me happy that makes me very happy you know we have partners that have reported 70 percent reduction in support tickets after deploying this which which i mean pays for itself when you look at how affordable these licenses are, let's just say on average $10 a license, since it's either eight or 10, depending on which one they have to use. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's really awesome, man. And also technically not everybody needs a license since the, you're only paying for a license on people that are, are remote desktop users. Exactly. So maybe you do have some people that are local laptop users or whatever, those people, you can still do some management from Nerdio Admin Portal, but you're not paying a fee for those people. You got it. That is so cool. Um, all right, let's go through some more questions here. Um, what is available for branding? Uh, we already talked about branding, and it looks like it's just one like global brand. So customer A cannot see a different brand from customer B. Correct. Okay. So Zach, I know somewhere in the Q and A I'll find it, but he wanted to, he wanted to brand it individually for each of his clients. Is that something you think you might implement eventually? Uh, It's an interesting thought. I don't think we've heard that before. I'll definitely take it up with the product team. We're usually pretty quick to respond to feedback if, if there is sufficient interest in a particular feature. 
fair enough. And, and as you um, can see, a lot of the stuff we build are the things that you guys are using already and doing things manually. So right, that's kind of where right. all the ideas come from. Um, and then part two of this question, can we have the RDP connections show our business instead of Nerdio? The RDP connections, meaning meaning what? Like the background or, or I mean, you certainly I don't, customize anything. I don't, I don't know, but I guess my assumption is he either means like the name of the file, the name that's in the title bar. I got you. Background got somewhere, you. something like that. It, it, it is doable technically, meaning I, I, I think I know what he's asking. So when you generate an RDP file, that doesn't have anything nerdy or related in it. You'll see in a second. Uh, you know, the, the name of the file, just Andy's desktop. When you okay. open it, it will have nerdio.net um, in the domain. That's um, your domain though, right? That is our domain with our SSL certs, with our DNS that we manage automatically every time you create a new collection or a new session. So there's a lot going on to make sure that this is all hands off like it is, right? So can you replace this? Yes. Uh, technically you can, you would have to get a, a wildcard cert so we can do all of this kind of stuff with your own domain. And then you lose a lot of the automation. So every time you add, you know, a connection broker or, or a session host or a collection, you're going to have to make DNS changes to make it, you know, kind of available inside of your zone. So it will increase the workload. So we, although we, we do support that, that's not something that any of our partners are actually doing. Okay. Um, Thank you for answering that. I'm sure it's not necessarily the answer people want. And I'm sure that people will have suggestions on how you can get around that. But, you know, that's between you and them. We're um, open to feedback. I'd like to have each of our customers with their own branding. We already talked about that. Can we do SSL forwarding and brand it ourselves with a reverse proxy? And I think he's talking about the admin portal. Uh, I, I don't know. I would have to check with engineering. That That's a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> Fair enough. Zach, I'm sure um, if, if you'd like, I can put you in touch with Vadim and you know, you're going to, you're a member, so you'll get 10 free licenses for life. Um, so I'm sure you may want to be playing around with this thing. So, you know, if, if you want to test that out, you know, feel free. Um, Brian said a 301 redirect should work. Like I said, I would probably do a 301 redirect without masking. That way, just everything works. They don't get any weird SSL issue, pop-ups, whatever. But, um, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm sure there's ways around it. If you guys get it to work, we'd love to know how. <laughs> that would yeah. be great. I mean, we, I don't think we've tried. Uh, maybe some of our partners are even doing that. We're just not aware. But, uh, but sure, sounds promising. Um. So you mentioned you don't sell Nerdio for Azure Direct, but you made it sound like there's something that you do sell direct. There, there is, there is. So as, as I mentioned, you know, kind of in the company background, we have, um, we have two services, two products, I should say. One is, uh, one is a Nerdio for Azure and one is Nerdio Private Cloud. The Nerdio Private Cloud, we sell through uh, channel partners as well, but it is on our own infrastructure. It's in our VMware infrastructure. Um, that's it, it's a it's a different service. It's more of a kind of turnkey solution with the licensing, with the infrastructure built in, running in our private cloud using VMware technology, uh, as opposed to the unbundled 
from the infrastructure nerdy for Azure. And then, um, you know, someone else said, can you clarify channel only? And I think this is the Nerdio for Azure portion. And then he said, your site is full of end user testimonials. And uh, you said earlier, Microsoft brings you direct deals. So M Microsoft does bring us deals, but we do bring a partner into those deals. Because like I said, we don't sell Azure and the customer needs to have Azure in order for this to, to be useful to them. So when Microsoft brings us a deal, we generally will bring a partner into the, into the deal if it's a Nerdio for Azure deployment. Because as I said, we, we don't have any direct Nerdio for Azure customers. So if, um, and I'm just going to pick a company everyone's heard of. So if McDonald's came to you and said, we want to get Nerdio for Azure, we have all of our internal IT people, we already have Azure, we just want to use Nerdio for Azure to make it easier. You yes. would bring in a partner? I, we would try, certainly. But let's be realistic. If McDonald's came to you and said, <laughs> we want Nerdio for Azure, you're going to say, please, please take my product, give me your money, right? Probably right. You know, that, that hasn't been a situation we've been in yet, but uh, maybe one day that, that's something uh, that's a decision we'll have to make. Okay. I, I hear the question, uh, but like I said, we, we always try to bring partners in. One, one of the significant value adds we have for our active partners who are, you know, who, who are using our product and are well familiar with it and, and are expert at it is, you know, we do a lot of lead gen, right? So it's the stuff okay. you'll see on our website that talks about and customer testimonials and stuff. We, we absolutely do lead gen and demand gen on direct customers, but we bring partners into the deals. Um, in, in those scenarios. Now, AJ asked, if an end user needs to install software, what kind of desktop do they need? I mean, in almost in every situation, there is software that's installed for the end users. Now, just to clarify, there is something that the administrator would control, meaning if you have an RDS session host, like this one, for example, you would simply generate an RDP file for it, log into it as administrator, install the software, and now everybody assigned to it would have that software on their desktop or wherever you place the shortcut, right? That's one way to go about it. If you're asking, can an, an individual user install software? They technically can if you give them local admin rights, which you could do if you wanted to. Uh, by or default, if it's, users do or not. Or if it's local it. profile software like Google Chrome or Spotify, right? Except for, right, except for things that don't need admin rights, exactly. So I want to elaborate on that for you, Vadim. So uh, AJ, as a managed service provider, you're probably using uh, an RMM tool, you know, whether it's ConnectWise Automate or Synchro or, or anything in between. Um, my recommendation would be to put the RMM uh, agent onto each of these servers that you're managing. Absolutely. Now, what what where I get a little fuzzy because I don't do you know auto expanding and and all this stuff is um, if if it gets to seventy percent and it and it grows out, is it automatically going to put my agent on that server it grew out to? 
uh, when the, the server the, shuts down, is the agent going to disappear? <laughs> you know, so that's a great question. The way the way that it works in Azure terminology is this RDS session host, which is the first one that gets built in the environment, can be customized with an agent. When you add a collection, you use this session host as a foundation for it. You install whatever software you want. You tell it what size you want it to be. And then every time it creates a new host in the collection, it clones that, that image and makes it based on that image. So if you have the agent baked into your image, yes, it will be deployed. It will register with your RMM. And then when you d destroy it, it will, you know, it will delete that VM. Uh, and depending on how your RMM is set up, it may or may not clean up the agent license. It obviously depends on the tool. And I'll be completely honest, that, that's going to be stuff that guys smarter than me will need to figure out an engineer. And I would love to understand the answer to that because, um, you know, in my opinion, you should have your agent on everything, whether it's the desktop that people are using locally to access these, these uh, basically these VMs or these RDS sessions or the RDS server or any of the other servers that are being generated for each of your clients. Uh, because you as the admin still need to manage these servers. You know, these are not fully managed instances. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be Windows updates, reboots, uh, potential viruses, you know, all the typical stuff that you as an admin need to, to worry about when it comes to a server. That said, um, I don't know what people will want to do when it comes to backups because, you know, obviously if I recall you, You've got backup and DR kind of built into this thing. Obviously, this is an in-region backup being managed by Azure, okay? So Nerdio is helping you manage it through automation, but it's still a backup on Azure, you know? So is that a good enough backup? Do you want to generate an off-site backup using a Cronus or uh, Veeam or, or whatever else you use. I don't know. That's up to you. You're the administrator. You're the MSP. You're going to have to make these decisions based on uh, what costs you're willing to take on and what risks you want to take and, and how you want to manage things and so on and so forth. Okay. So I, I does that Hopefully that answers your question. Vadim, do you have anything else you want to add to any of that? No, I, ju I just want to mention that I completely agree with you about the RMM. We strongly, strongly recommend an RMM agent on every single VM, right? This is a, a Windows environment. It just happens to be running in the cloud as opposed to running on-prem. It's isolated. It's single instance for each customer. So you're not sharing a forest. You have all the control and administrative access to everything in here. We don't manage your instances for you, so it's important that you manage them yourself. From a backup standpoint, uh, you know, useful feature to show you, you come in here, you turn it on, you can select a local region backup or you can select a geo-redundant backup, uh, and then it just automatically configures it for you, goes through all the VMs, adds them into the schedule. As you spin up new ones, it will automatically add them in here. You can come in and restore them just with a single click, just like that. Um, so really, again, really easy to manage. You can use the Azure backup, but if you wanted to use a Cronus or data or, you know, whatever other backup tool you may be using, you can always add it on top of any of these windows VMs. Again, remember this is just windows and anything that runs in windows will work in this environment. Um, and since this is Azure, 
um, you don't you don't dictate what the end users or what our clients can use to access Azure. So if we want to sell them a zero client or a thin client, as long as those devices support Azure Remote Desktop, it'll work. Correct. Correct. Um, so I don't have answers. Uh, zero clients do those work with Azure. Uh, zero clients that support RDP work with, with uh, well, again, it's it's not a matter of Azure. You know, think of Azure as, as different, you know, difference in Azure and on-prem is the same difference. That's true, yeah. It's, it's just or... an RDP session. Exactly. So it's... so at that point, you just need to, to determine, you know, do I want them to have um, a full desktop, a remote desktop, or do I want them to just do whatever they call it now, remote apps? Remote where app. they're still running on their their local machine, but you know maybe the line of business applications are running remotely, you know that type of thing. So again, these are questions that you are going to have to uh, answer yourself. But um, yes, you can use uh, thin clients, zero clients, as long as it supports Microsoft Remote Desktop. It's going to support this, and Nerdio is not controlling or automating anything in regard to the end users computers or, or anything at the client site it is simply helping you automate the the creation of azure instances it'll even help you uh, automate creating the rdp session file that you can send to people in an email or whatever however you don't have to use that i mean i'm sure they could find another way to rdp in or, or you could create your own rdp file it's just why would you bother when you can just simply use a little button in the in the Nerdio app? Exactly, and and just to extend that a little bit, Steve, we we try to stay out of the way of the users using their desktops or using the system. So you know, one of the reasons we we don't proactively kind of wake things up when users try to log in is because we don't want to be a single point of failure for multiple customers. If somebody cannot get to us to Nerdio their customers continue working, right? We are only a management tool. We are not a connection broker. The connection broker uses native Microsoft technology with single instance implementation within each customer's environment. And we are just uh, the tool that turns the dials to, to create it, to manage it, and to autoscale it. All right, so somebody put the question, I don't see the free license URL in the chat. Can you send it again? I did just put the URL in the chat. Please remember this is a members only URL. So if you're a member of MSP webinars, you'll, all you have to do is sign in and you'll see the details on how to get the deal, which there is literally just a little button that says get this deal. Um, all right, uh, man, so many more questions. All right, AJ, I know you have one or two more questions in here. Zach asked uh, the same question he asked those other guys. Where do you see RDMI, Remote Desktop Modern Infrastructure, fitting in with Nerdio? That's a great question. I, I get this question so often, uh, probably the most common question in the, in the last, last few months. So a little bit of a background. So most of you probably know something that was announced last Inspire, so last July, uh, you know, 2017. We are part of the Windows Insiders team, so we're you know we're helping um, with with the you know the testing, the private beta that they have. 
So what RDMI enables you to do, as you all know probably, is, is lets you share the infrastructure roles uh, across multiple customers because it moves them out of a domain and puts them as web apps that you can launch in kind of a native Azure type of way. We will definitely be supporting that deployment methodology and we're going to be making it optional. And the reason is that pricing for RDMI and those PaaS services in Azure hasn't been announced. And knowing what we know, and, and you can, again, you can look at our cost modeling tools of how inexpensive it is to run a couple of extra VMs with burstable instances and reserve, I'm sorry, with burstable VMs and reserved instances, we're talking about tens of dollars. And the question is, again, do you want to create a single point of failure for multiple customers at the same time? So if you look at, at this environment, so what do we have? We have a domain controller, we have a file server, we have uh, an RD gateway, we may have a connection broker, and they're all separate VMs. And you may be saying, hey, you know, this is really expensive. Why would I want to do it this way? Why don't I share one RDMI instance for multiple customers and not have to have all of these VMs? Um, but what's, what we found is for small deployments using B-series uh, and three-year reserved instances is more than enough. And you're looking at costs of something like $18 or $15 per VM per month. So when, when you're talking about those low price levels, I just don't know what the RDMI costs are gonna be and whether those are gonna be you know, higher or lower. So until pricing is released, it's hard to say what's gonna be a better financial model, but from a technology standpoint, we'll support both types of deployments, traditional RDS and RDMI. That's fantastic. Okay, so AJ asked, what do we need on the customer site to make all this work? Example, 40 users who need desktops. Do we need to have any hardware at the local site or just an internet connection and a method of running an RDP session? Um, I'd say that's the answer. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about RDP sessions. So I, I would say that the minimum infrastructure you need would be you know, a thin or a zero client at every desk and a modem router that lets them get onto you know, the internet to access the RDP sessions. Um, yep. No, that's, that's right. That's the minimum. Um, typically you would need just a, a decent internet connection, right? Not one necessarily that's super high bandwidth, but one that doesn't have a ton of packet loss and, and high latency. Uh, and the nice thing is because you can make these deployments provision in any Azure region, you can select one that's, you know, geographically closer to your users. That's number one. But in a typical office environment, you also have things like network printers and maybe scanners and maybe some, some other local equipment that needs to talk IP to this environment, in which case you would enable VPN. Again, single button to turn it on. It creates all of the Azure infrastructure to enable VPNs, and there's quite a bit of complexity there, but just one button click here. And then you add a new connection, and to add a new connection, you simply give it a name, the IP of your firewall on-prem, and the local subnet uh, and subnet mask and it will build the connection for you and return back a set of settings, including the shared key and everything else you need to plug into your firewall. This will set up your site-to-site -site VPN. So you can then add printer objects either to a print server or to individual desktops, pointing them at the IPs of the printers that are on your local network across the VPN tunnel. Now, if, if memory serves correctly, um you can do like an Azure instance of a Meraki or a Sophos firewall. Mm -hmm. This, 
this isn't going to configure that though. This is just going to configure the, the VPN features that are built directly into Azure and the servers. Correct. That is correct. I mean, our approach is Microsoft first. If there is a Microsoft product in the toolkit, we're going to always prefer that just, be, you know, just because not necessarily maybe it's better technologically, but strategically we're kind of aligned with, with that mentality. Um, it, it also ends up being cheaper, right? Because if you spin up a Meraki or, or Sophos or FortiGate instance, not only do you have to buy a third-party license, then you also have to buy the compute. You have to buy the VM typically from Microsoft. And when you add all of that up and you compare it to, you know, either Azure uh, network security groups or even Azure firewall, you know, which is Azure, Azure security groups are, are free for a matter, you know, uh, as, as, as of technology, it, it sometimes difficult to justify unless you have some very unique requirements like UTM or special IPS type of requirements, in which case we do have customers using third party firewall solutions, but again, doesn't manage those. And, and again, you, you have the ability to log into Azure directly and manage this environment through Azure. Nerdio is just helping you not have to do that as much is, is really what it comes down to. And Zach, you're right. Sophos XG is available in the Azure store. You can just drop red devices at the customer premise. And, and you know, maybe a red isn't sufficient if it's a large, you, you know, uh, uh, large site, you know, 40, 50 people, maybe a red's not good enough. Um, again, you, you know, so can, can you do a VPN using the built-in Microsoft to a Sophos or to a WatchGuard or to, you know, so on and so forth? I believe the answer is yes. Um, if you would rather do a Sophos to Sophos, you can do that as well. So it's really just a matter of how much do you want to have to do on the back end of Azure versus just letting it uh, Nerdio automate it for you, right? That, that is correct. I mean, as long as it supports, you know, IPsec VPNs and sort of all the modern encryption and authentic authentication protocols, it, it should work with any standard compliant firewall and all the major brand ones certainly make theirs that can work with AWS and Azure because that's a very common use case. And and keep in mind, this isn't a junky PPTP uh, VPN connection. This this is an IPsec connection uh, with with better encryption and, and that type of stuff. So, um, you know, if you're if you're worried about security, sure there are probably better firewall, you know, VPN types out there. But I would say this one would be sufficient, if not um, exceeding expectations for many of your clients. Um, what about the most painful part of the process, Vadim? How does Nerdio help with onboarding? Excellent question. Excellent. I, lo I love that question. So yes, that is definitely could be a painful part of the process. And onboarding success is, is about, you know, obviously proper planning uh, and good discovery. So if this is your existing customer, you know, that the discovery phase is easier uh, if this is a new customer, then then you really got to do due diligence to discover everything because the last thing you want is go live with a customer. They're using their new virtual desktop and saying, hey, you know, but I use this other application here every every day or every other day and it's nowhere to be seen and you're scrambling, 
trying to figure out how to get it installed. So um, in terms of onboarding, we provide help on two fronts. One is we have a set of tools that help with the onboarding process. And, and there really isn't time to get into the specifics, but I'll tell you, you know, we have tools that allow directory um, extensions, import and exports, bulk user and groups and contact updates, as well as, well as file shared data mirroring. We don't do anything in the Office 365 Exchange Online migration space. I'm sure you guys are all using, you know, BitTitan and Skykicks and, and those types of tools already. So, so we don't do anything in that space. Um, but then we also have a very comprehensive project plan that we share with our partners. That's sort of a template that we found over the years works best. And we keep updating it with, with the latest best practices. And then when someone becomes a partner, they get access to that. They can then make it their own. And it's literally a phase-by-phase, step-by-step, you know, task-by-task. Here's what you do. Here's what you got to find out. Here's a, a sample spreadsheet that can help you collect this data from a customer. And it really walks you step-by-step on how to have a successful onboarding. Uh, but, but planning is really important when you're migrating someone completely from on-prem into the cloud. If you're doing a phase-in approach where you're keeping the existing environment intact, and you're just adding new functionality, it's a little less critical, but if you're doing a cutover migration, that's, that's huge. This is awesome, man. And at any step of the way, you know, if, if we're unclear or we just need a little bit of handholding, we can reach out to support and you guys, obviously you're not gonna deal with our end users, but if we just wanna make sure that we're doing everything, you know, best practice the right way, you know, whatever you wanna call it, you got your team will be there to to help us make sure we don't forget anything or miss a step. We do provide tier three and you know escalation engineering support both for the tool, um, you know, kind of its integration and hooks into into the various platforms that it automates, uh, and then on the first you know one two three onboardings with every partner, we generally you kind of walk them. You, we walk alongside them during that onboarding, so we'll assign an engineer who will obviously be very familiar with the process, who will teach our partner kind of the nuances of how this is implemented. Um, but then our expectation is you know, kind of going forward after a couple of migrations, two, three migrations, you know the system well enough where you can go through that process and then escalate to us for any support related type um, issues as needed. And and that said, keep in mind, you know, that the fact that they're going to help you with, you know, your first, you know, two or three onboardings I feel like is really going above and beyond because um, while, while they want, you know, you to, to use their product, they're not selling you as your, you know, so, so the fact that they're helping you onboard your clients is just, you know, in, in my eyes, a, a testimony to how much they want you to love Nerdio because, you know, I, at eight to twelve dollars per user, you know they're they're not going out and buying a yacht when you bring on your fifty user client. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're right. It, it's really all about customer success. You know, in our case, it's more partner success. But mm-hmm. w- with any long term relationship, as you're bringing on your client on board, you know, the last thing you want is to spend a lot of effort you know, selling it to them, then onboarding them, and then something not going right and, and them, you know, leaving you, right? That's kind of the worst thing that, that can happen. 
Um, you know, same thing with our partners. We want to enable them so they're successful. We want to train them and, you know, give them sort of the best practices that we've learned uh, over the years so that you, you can really be successful in, in the long term. Certainly, we're going to make, you know, nowhere near a yacht's worth uh, on, on a couple of accounts where we'll invest a lot of labor into it to help you out. But our hope is, is as your business grows, uh, you know, so does ours. That's awesome. Uh, last question I see, is the backup granular? Like, can we just go in and, and recover a single file? The backup is granular in Azure. The restore in Nerdio is not. The restore is at the VM level. Uh, Azure has what they call file level restore. It used to be in, in, in public beta. I think now it may be in GA in general availability. But if you do log into the Azure portal, you navigate to the, you know, to the vault and you go to the backup jobs, you can actually restore it. They, they have a little bit of a clunky way to do it. They give you uh, like a PowerShell snippet that you have to run in a VM that mm -hmm. mounts an image and gives it to you as a drive on the, whatever machine you're on. Then you copy files out and then you tear it down. So it's a little clunky, which is why we didn't integrate it in here, but it is possible. Okay. Um, so that, that said, yes, the backup is granular. No, you can't do anything with the granular backup using Nerdio. However, you can go and, again, log into the Azure portal, which you'll have full access to do, um, and, and you can recover those files. And that's pretty cool. So you can just restore. Uh, it looks like you're doing daily backups. You can just revert back to yesterday or a week ago or whatever um, with the click of a few buttons. And like you said earlier, you have a three-click philosophy. So restore, choose your time, confirm. There's your three clicks. There you go. I love it, man. All right. So let me, um, let me do something here. Okay, I'm going to try and recap uh, because there was a lot of information in this webinar here. Um, so, again, Vadim, thank you so much for joining us today. Nerdy Hill looks really cool. And I just, I, I want to preface this with, is Nerdio like revolutionary? I don't think the answer is yes. And here's why I say that. Don't get upset. That's um, all right. <laughs> I mean, realistically, you're doing everything for us using API and PowerShell. Could we do this ourselves using API and PowerShell? Absolutely. But you've already built it for us, and you've already made it very easy, very intuitive. You've got this uh, fantastic admin portal that allows us to manage uh, AD users, Office 365 users, um, and then full-blown remote desktop interfaces uh, all through the Azure slash, you know, Microsoft cloud, so to speak. And, and you've just made it really easy for us to do. Now, one thing I didn't ask about is, will this manage like Azure storage? For example, if, if I wanted to have a, f a you know, folder or whatever you call it uh, on Azure where people can store files. Um, 
on, you know, there's Office 365, there's the storage, there's the AD, but they just want to access those files from their local desktop. There's, there's no uh, uh, desktop license needed. You're probably not letting us manage uh, Azure storage. So let me kind of break down your question and into kind of components. So, so storage comes in, in multiple flavors, as you've mentioned. Office 365 comes with OneDrive for Business and SharePoint. Mm -hmm. uh, that is sort of indirectly managed here because you can you know, assign licenses and do all of that kind of stuff. You can install the uh, OneDrive client on your desktop and, and have access to those files both through Windows Explorer or through your mobile apps, et cetera. So if you're using OneDrive, you, you're kind of done, right? It's, it's there. If you're using document libraries in SharePoint, similar story, you know, it's online, you can map a drive to it from whatever device, uh, you can use apps, you're done. Uh, the feature you're probably referring to when you talk about Azure Storage is, uh, is Azure Files, right? So Azure Files is blob storage in Azure, which is the, the, the less expensive storage that lets you mount an SMB share from any device to it. Yes. Um, we will have support for Azure Files with Azure File Sync coming very shortly. File Sync just went GA about two weeks ago. That's awesome. Um, but... For now, the reason it requires file sync is because Azure Files is not natively AD aware. So, for example, you couldn't have a folder where you have, you know, permissions set for different users or different groups to have different levels of access. It's basically you give somebody access uh, or you don't based on their device or based on their location, but it's not AD integrated. So that's why we haven't rushed into Azure Files just yet. It is a functionality that it's on the roadmap and they're promising very shortly. And once they have it, we'll support it and we'll probably replace our file server functionality, which is kind of serving that today with Azure Files. But in the meantime, we're going to have Azure Files with Azure Files Sync all consistent with the file server VM that's going to be in Nerdio. And I bet when you replace that file server function, that's going to save us, the MSP, a little bit of cash. Because now we don't need a full VM in order to do files. Potentially. Again, depending on how big that file server is, but you know, a few tens of dollars, certainly, yes, you will be able to save sure. that role. But you know, 10, 20 bucks across 50 clients heads up. Definitely. So, you know. Um, all right. So let's let's try and recap everything real quick. So um, like I said earlier, is it revolutionary? No, you could do all this yourself if, if you're really good at PowerShell or, or know how to ma manipulate things with API. But for most of us, yes, yes, this is revolutionary. This is cool. Um, we, can, we can manage just about everything. And I think you said earlier, like 80 to 90% of our day-to-day -day needs with Azure, uh, we, we can manage using Nerdio. And... Um, this is going to help us build out the infrastructure needed for our clients if we want to go like, you know, full remote desktop in the cloud. So it's going to build out the domain controller, file server, uh, line of business apps, remote desktop server, you know, all, all that good stuff. So that way they can remotely access everything. And, and we just, you know, 
with a click of a few buttons and fill out a few form fields, you know, wait a couple hours, you come back and it's all just kind of done. Um, Vadim, if you can click on uh, users. Um, so when you're setting up your users, you have the ability to uh, give them access to the Nerdio admin portal. You have the ability to assign Office 365 licenses, choose what type of desktop they're going to use, if any. You can even um, assign local admin rights or you know domain admin rights to the user for the uh, for the servers they'll be accessing. Um, you can set up a VPN tunnel, and and it would be not just a not just a VPN client for each endpoint, a VPN tunnel between their entire site and the Azure cloud. So that way, you know, if they have local printers, local scanners, or other network devices that they want to kind of have everything talk, um, it, it'll, it'll just happen. Um, backup in DR, it'll, it'll back everything up for you. It's gonna, it's gonna do a full image, and it's also going to have uh, granular access if you want to log into the Azure portal, you'll be able to, to go in and, you know, restore a single file. Um, at the end of the day, these are Windows servers that you are managing. So install your own agent. Uh, if you want to install your own backup software so that way you're using something you're more familiar or comfortable with, feel free to do that. You know, in, install your full stack on these things because these are servers you're managing. Um, the other cool thing I saw was and, and this may be in the optimized settings, I don't remember, but it was the, uh, the ability to automatically shrink or grow the number of, of servers that are available based on the uh, uh, CPU usage. So my, my example was, if we know that every day between 3 and 6 p.m. local time, uh, the customer is running a bunch of reports, you know, crystal reports, SQL dumps, whatever, and it, it just really sucks all the CPU up. Well, this scaling logic will automatically start up a new VM or two or however many it thinks it needs. And then eventually, like soonish, uh, Vadim's team is setting up new messaging where it'll at random, based on its own internal internal logic, will will notify some people and say, "Hey, if you're having trouble with performance, uh, feel free to log out and write back in, and you'll magically be fixed." Um, once this gets to a point where you're not using so much CPU usage, it will then send a warning to users and say, hey, you know, we're doing some housekeeping. If you could please log out and write back in, uh, that would be super. And what it'll do is it'll, it'll log, you know, they'll log out and then it's putting that server that's about to get, you know, shut down, so to speak, into, I think you called it drain mode where it'll lets people sit there for X number of minutes, whatever you set it to be. And then once they hit that timer limit, they get logged out automatically. Um, but with drain mode, it doesn't let people sign back into that server. So, you know, they'll log out and immediately log back in and it'll put them into the server or servers that are still going to be up and running. And that'll, that'll basically allow you to scale 
up and down the number of servers needed so that way your your clients um, don't have issues when when they're doing something intensive, but you don't have to pay for a whole bunch of servers to be running all the time for uh, uh, you know for them to have the the processing power that they need. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, is there anything I've missed? I mean, this thing is just so capable, in my opinion, that I feel like I've missed something. But at the grand scheme of things, um, you know, those were the most important things. Oh, there's there's also branding. So if you want to brand the portal with your own logo, uh, you know, punch in your own email address and things like that for when the users get the welcome email when you set things up, um, you know, that's that's there for you. Uh, there's audit logs and compliance related things and notifications that you can enable when people are making changes or when things happen. So there's all kinds of additional stuff that we didn't even look at. But at the high level, I, I appreciate the feedback and uh, I think it was, a, it was a great summary. Um, one thing I'll add is, you know, you, you've uh, you've asked the question, is it revolutionary? And you've answered probably no. And I, I agree with that. I think you're right. It's it's a tool for uh, for automation. Uh, I think the closest analogy in my mind is is the RMM, right? If you think about an RMM and you think 20 years back, um, it, it does the kinds of things that that we all used to do manually, right? And it just makes it automatic. It makes our, us more efficient. It makes the cost of delivering our services to clients, uh, you know, lower. It allows us to price things and, and have some margin built in. And, and I think, you know, what Nerdio is to cloud is what an RMM was to manage services, you know, a couple of decades ago. Excellent. So um, one, one thing I, I think somebody asked the question, um, uh, Got this after sign up. Hi, thanks for taking the time to sign up for a trial on the website. Are you available on Thursday to schedule a quick call to learn more about Nerdio? And uh, best, Zach. I assume Zach is one of your sales guys. So um, I guess I'm going to assume that not everybody needs the quick call to learn more is there something that they know the, the, the trial is fully automated obviously okay. you know, as, as, as any good marketing department we will capture you as a lead and we will mm -hmm. put you in our automation and then somebody will offer you to walk through session but you guys have already seen it so i think you should be able to kind of do this on your own um, but it's it's not a gate for you to get your access to the system the, the trial process completely automated uh, you, you do not have to go through sales, but it is a resource that's available to you. Sounds good. All right. Um, and then Zach asked if there's wake on demand. Wake, uh, we spoke about that a little bit. Yes, a user can wake up a v, uh, their desktop um, by logging in to the admin portal with their own credentials and then clicking on the button. Um, and as we spoke about, that has implications to your service provider's costs of Azure. So you, you really need to evaluate whether giving users that capability is something you want to do. It will depend on the pricing model of your offering. But yes, the, the, the functionality is there. It's not, Nerdio is not a connection broker, so it doesn't know when you're trying to log in in real time. So it can't power anything on for you. 
But if you log into Nerdio and then click a button, then you can power on the desktop that way. Perfect. Well, well, thank you so much for, for being here and doing this. Um, I, I, I can't think of anything else. For, for those of you that are uh, interested in checking this out further, all you have to do is go to getnerdio.com. And uh, that's correct, right? Getnerdio.com? That's it. Okay. So go to getnerdio.com and, um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of take care of you from there. If you would like to get 10 users for free for life, all you have to do is be a member of MSP webinars and click on the get deal button in the member portal under Nerdio. And that will take you to a landing page where you fill out a form. Um, and it, and I believe, like you said, um, you know, it'll, it'll take care of building a trial. You can reply to the, to the sales guy and say, Hey, you know, I watched the webinar. I already have a, a basic understanding. I just want to, to try this out and get my 10 free licenses and they'll take care of you. Does that sound right? That is. Perfect. Um, if, if anybody has any other questions, you can reach out to the sales team over at Nerdio. Um, if you want to discuss this further, um, you know, we're going to have a conversation offline when I pop into the Zoom room after this webinar. So for those of you that are members, uh, you know, feel free to pop into the Zoom room and let's have a chat. Vadim, thank you again for doing this. This was fantastic. Um, our next webinars that we have coming up on Thursday of this week, we're going to have Envarosoft. If you're not familiar with Envarosoft, they are kind of like an app that you install onto your end user PCs, smartphones, tablets, you know, whatever. And it gives them the ability to manage their uh, tickets, um, see any news alerts that you push out and open up their applications and websites that they use frequently, all from a single pane of glass. And they're also offering up to 48% off for members. SolarWinds Backup is coming up in a week and a couple days on September 6th, Thursday. And they're going to talk about SolarWinds Backup. And that one should be pretty good. And um, on September 11th, Pulseway. Pulseway is going to come explain how, uh, how their RMM tool is one that you should have on your So with that said, I think I've kind of, you know, gone over everything for you. Um, this was awesome. I can't wait to try out Nerdio for myself and play with it on a couple of clients that are using Office 365. I'm going to set up, uh, you know, for those of you that are Microsoft partners, go get the Action Pack. If you're not already an Action Pack subscriber, uh, you get $100 in free Azure credits. I don't know how that can work with, Ner like, I'm sure it can work with Nerdio. You just got to figure out how to, how to make the two talk to each other. But um, there's no reason why you couldn't go out and, and play with your 10 free licenses and your $100 in free Action Pack dollars to, you know, really get the full experience of what this is going to do for you and your customers. So thanks so much, everybody. I will see you all in the Zoom room or at the next webinar. Take care. Have a good one, Vadim. Thanks.